0: Yeah, that's, that's right. So I did my, my PhD um, at Penn State, and I went to Penn State, I think with the understanding or the perspective that I was going to get an applied career. That was Penn State was a place that was attractive to me because it has a very strong uh, scientist practitioner model. It really emphasized that, and they have a lot of solid applied training along with the academic training that you get. So it was a good fit for me. And that's where I felt that I needed to be. And so I kind of focused my, I think my attention and my approach to graduate school with applied work in mind. Um, and I did everything that I needed to do to kind of set myself up for that career. So in my second year of graduate school, I did an internship with PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, in their human capital uh, human capital strategy practice, their people in organization practice. And uh, really liked that experience, was offered a job after that. And I wound up leaving Penn State uh, right in the middle of my third year of grad school. So I pushed through a lot of the front end work. I did my thesis pretty quickly. I pushed through comps, I went ABD, um, I kind of got my dissertation off the ground. Uh, and then I left. And I was at PWC for about three years. Um, and right before I left Pw- right before I left Penn State, I really was starting to hit my stride on the research side. So I was kind of sitting on the fence quite a bit, um, in terms of thinking about whether or not to take the job when it was offered to me. Um, I was kind of having some second thoughts, but I did take the job. Um, I was excited to work in industry. And like I said, I worked at PwC for, for almost three years, um, and had some, some really great experiences there and did a lot of work with a lot of interesting clients and traveled all over the place and really got, a I think a firm grasp of the, you know, human capital consulting, management consulting, IO site consulting lifestyle. Um, but then I felt something call me back to doing to doing the research. And I went back out on the market. I had done some work to stay competitive academically, um, You know, tried to keep my publication record up and keep projects active and do those things. And I knew that I probably wasn't gonna be able to do that long-term. So if I was interested in going back to academia at all, I kind of had one shot to do it. Um, and I went on the market and I was able to to find a place at the University of Albany in the school of business, the Mastery Center for Business that um was a good fit for me. Um they liked my experiences and what I had to bring to the table and uh now here I am.
1: So take me back um just a little bit further to um when you originally said you were just starting to hit your stride at Penn State when you decided to to move in into that role at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Cooper. So, what were what were the thoughts that were going through your mind, pro and con, at that point?
0: Well, so you know, I like I said, I, I came in to graduate school thinking that applied work was what I wanted to do, and I had had an internship experience that was a was a good one, um, and I I saw that there was a lot of potential, I think, for interesting work on the applied side, um, but at the same time, I was I was really getting comfortable with my identity as a researcher. And so the pros and cons I had to weigh were really kind of thinking through what I could learn or where the best learning opportunity was from my perspective for the next, you know, two to four years of my career. Um, you know, I was a third year graduate student. Um, I realistically had, two more years to three more years to prepare myself to go on the academic market. If I was going to do that. Uh, And what it came down to was thinking that I, you know, I had learned over those three years, the fundamentals of being a researcher and I had gotten comfortable with that. Um, And although I was getting, you know, quote unquote, good at it. I was, I was feeling comfortable with where I was. I had some type of identity that I could move forward with, uh, really came down to, I thought the best learning experience, the only way for me to really get a perspective on what I valued in my career and where my skills and abilities were best fit, and what was going to really motivate me over the next, you know, 20, 30 years of my career. The only way I could get a new perspective on that was to take the job. Um, and that was really what it came down to was this was a new type of experience that I'd never had before, a new opportunity to learn things um, where if I had stayed in graduate school and kind of continued on that path, I would have definitely learned a lot um, and I would have gotten, you know, developed a lot of skills that would help me now in my current role. Um, but at the time I felt like the, the bigger opportunity for learning and development was actually in industry rather than staying
1: in school. So at that time, were you just sort of uncertain about which direction you wanted to go in? So you wanted to experience both? Or were you already thinking, hey, you know, I might want to come back into academia. So I want to have this applied experience under my belt.
0: So I had a, I definitely had a, you know, a sinking, not a sinking feeling, but a a, a feeling in the back of my head that, oh, well, maybe uh, I want to come back to academia someday. Um, And I was I think very smartly kind of talked out of that perspective um, by some of my mentors at Penn State, which was uh, if I was gonna go in this and do applied work and go into industry and try this job, I had to be fully committed to it. I had to have the point of view that this is where I think I could build a career. Um and then on the back end, do the work to stay competitive academically, but only if that's what's motivating me. So I really worked on projects that I was already working on that I thought were interesting and important enough for me to continue pursuing them while I was working a full-time job. And that's the only way I stayed competitive was because on the academic market was because those things had that kind of intrinsic value for me. Um, But I had to kind of abandon the perspective of, oh, you know, I can uh, just kind of dip my toe in the water on the applied side for a little bit and then always have academia as a place to come back to that was i think i was i, I if any concept i had of that uh i was uh, disabused of pretty quickly and i think to my to my benefit because it was um not a productive way to think about the the career i would have basically been bad at both things um as as an effort to try to keep feet in both camps i had to dive deeply into doing the applied work if that was where i was going go. um and so that's what I did. Until I did that until I felt comfortable enough with my experience to say I can I can look for something else and, and be comfortable with it.
1: When you made that decision, did you did you have a sense of regret about it or were you all in?
0: No, I didn't have a sense of regret at all. Um I did have a serious sense of imposter syndrome. Um so when I got there, you know, I'm a I'm a, you know, 25-year-old master's degree holder on track for a PhD. Uh, Sitting in a room with, you know, newly hired, uh, fresh out of college graduates who are new associates at the firm, just like I am, um, and realized that a lot of the things that I thought I knew, I didn't know. I was I was unprepared for that job. Um, I really needed to learn quite a bit, and I hadn't felt unprepared like that in a long time. I'd had several years where I was getting comfortable with my role as an academic and feeling like I had built some skills and some abilities. And uh, then I'm put in this new position where there are real expectations with real outcomes very quickly. uh, And I didn't know anything. Uh, So it wasn't regret as more, it was, you know, I think, fear that I was, that I wasn't going to be good at this new job. Um, But like I said, it was, it was the opportunity for a learning experience that was really motivating.
1: You're at PricewaterhouseCoopers. Um, You have this sort of sense of imposter syndrome and did you ever get over that? And if so, how?
0: I did. um, It took some time. It took, you know, well over a year for me to feel like I was um, any good at being a consultant. Um, and I have to give credit to PWC as a firm. They do a really good job at training new consultants, getting people the skills to do that type of work. Um, the interesting thing about working in consulting is it's a project-based industry. So you get a lot of experience very quickly. You know, the, the engagements you're usually on are three to four months on average in length. You're constantly working with new clients. So you're forced to learn new things and upskill um at a rate that I think uh is uncommon in other in other industries. Um so really it's a you know getting thrown to the wolves type of model. Um and you have a lot of support on the back end and a really I had a really great network of people that I could lean on for experiences or for points of view or for help with a project or things like that. Um, but I was able to kind of conquer those fears purely by being able by being put in a position to have to do the work. Um, and, you know, now reflecting back on that several years later when, you know, as I left PwC, I was very comfortable in my role <clears throat> and my trajectory in the firm. Uh, reflecting back on that now, um, it's one of the things that I that I think was the best experience was, um, was that learning curve, that steep learning curve that I had to kind of figure out how to overcome.
1: What's the hardest part of that life? The hardest part of that
0: life... Um, Well, so I think the hardest part of the lifestyle is the travel. Um, You know, we talk about the consulting as a obviously a a really, I think, pretty well known reputation for being travel and hours intensive, Um, and that takes an adjustment. That's definitely not for everybody. Um, I didn't mind the travel, although it did get to be, you know, uh, sometimes it was a pain to be on the road four days a week. But that wasn't the part of the job that. Um, or that wasn't a part of the job that, that bothered me, but I think it could be something that's difficult to adjust to, Uh, It certainly was not, um, not common to, for me to not be around very often. You know, it wasn't common for me to be around very often. Um, and so that's, that's kind of a tough lifestyle adjustment. I think in terms of the work, the hardest thing about being a consultant is managing ambiguity. Um, everyone who I've spoken to who's interested in getting into consulting, if they ask me kind of what the skill that they need to develop or portray on an interview is, um, I say that the thing that I would look for in consulting is, are you able to manage ambiguity? Are you able to work under uncertain circumstances? Um, because when you sit with clients who don't really know what they want or need um, and they ask you to provide guidance to them uh, or put you in a position to to answer questions that they don't really understand fully before where they ask them. Um, that's a challenging situation uh, and being able to develop a skill set that allows you to kind of break down situations and problems um, with very little information and try to guide yourself and your clients to solutions that are mutually beneficial. Um, that, ambigu- that ambiguous uh, problem solving is is really tough to learn. Uh, it's probably the hardest part of the job.
1: Um, that makes sense. And I think, you know, if, if the client always knew exactly what it is that they needed, it could go an easier or cheaper route than hiring a consultant. So I think a big part of probably what you're getting paid for is to help them figure out what they need. So you're, you're at PricewaterhouseCoopers, like you said, you're pretty comfortable in your role now, about a year in, you're comfortable with your your sort of career progression in industry, when does your mind start shifting to, hmm, I wonder if I should get back into academia? So
0: I think that started um, probably at the start of my third year at the firm. Um, I had uh, come off of some projects that were very similar. Um, I'm not going to say they were boring, but they they were similar in terms of the content. So I was doing very similar work for different clients. And obviously, every client has different challenges. and um, Every place is unique. And that's what makes the job fun. Um, But I was starting to get very comfortable, I think, with the types of work that we were doing. Um, And I've noticed that the consulting work was hitting some of the things that I really wanted out of a career. Um, I was working on interesting projects. I was working with different people. I was in these diverse environments. Um, I was working with super smart people all the time on both my firm side and on the client side. You know, those things were really great. But I wasn't hitting other parts of my, you know, kind of desired job. Um, The creative elements in particular, uh, I wasn't really getting as much out of that as I expected. Um, I really enjoy writing and thinking deeply about a topic and um, trying to dive very very deep into a specific challenge or problem that I just didn't have the opportunity to work on things at that level while I was at the firm um, actually I'll correct that I had the opportunity to do that once for one client wanted a very research driven um, deliverable uh, and I had a blast putting that together right really getting to stretch my researcher legs. At the service of the client. That was fantastic for me, but those projects were few and far between. Um, So I started kind of thinking back to what I really wanted out of a long-term career and what I valued. And you know, having had several years of consulting spirits under my under my belt, I really had a much more well-rounded perspective of what that job was and what it could offer. Um, And I started to think that you know, maybe I had gotten what I needed to out of doing consulting in that way and that uh, I could now take what I had learned or the experiences that I had and use them to kind of inform some of the research that I did in the future um, or my perspective that I could bring to, to, you know, IO and organizational science in general.
1: So aside from wanting to uh, dig more deeply into subjects and to to spend more time doing research and, you know, having the ability to sort of exercise your creativity. What else was on your mind when you were making this decision to move to academia? Are there any lifestyle or salary or, or any kind of considerations like that?
0: Well, I, it is a cost benefit. Um, you know, I think lifestyle, salary, all of those things, um, definitely come into play. I mean, you know, candidly, the opportunities in industry, the opportunities in in management consulting at a major firm um, financially are considerably greater on average than I think you would expect in an academic position. Um, And lifestyle changes are significant. Um, You know, if I was somebody who was really attached to a road warrior lifestyle and, you know, staying in hotels and eating in nice restaurants every day and doing all that kind of, you know, typical, you know, stereotypical consulting, consulting stuff, Um, those are big lifestyle. Those would have been big lifestyle sacrifices. Um, what academics afforded me the opportunity to do was, um, kind of be home more, which I, which was something I started to really value as I got later into my time at the firm. Um, I started to get a little tired of being on the road as often as I was. Um, and I weighed the costs and benefits between kind of what those long-term, you know, I guess financial or compensation goals were with um, the autonomy and the creative license and the um, ability to kind of work on things that I think are important that are afforded to me in an academic position. Uh, and when I really kind of laid the cards on the table, um, the opportunities that were in front of me were were a good, it was a good trade-off. Um, I thought the trade-off made sense. And the I think the long-term goals that I have in academia are going to be just as satisfying, if not more satisfying than trying to chase, you know, um, some type of financial objective, which at the end of the day, that was the real comparator that it came down to.
1: You've made the decision that you want to to move into academia. How do you go about looking for a position?
0: I went on the market the same way that anybody would. Um, I started, uh, signing up for listservs. I signed up for the academy of management, um, job board. Uh, I wasn't able to attend the Academy Management Conference, um, which is where a lot of business school interviews take place uh, that year. But I started just sending out resumes and uh, CVs and cover letters and um, statements of research interest and all the stuff that I would have done if I was still a graduate student. Um, I just had to do it in my free time when I was uh, working full time for the firm. Uh, I was... Not so selective in the way that I approached the market. Um, I was looking for the best possible opportunity um, that could come my way because I knew that I wasn't probably maybe as competitive as somebody who had spent as equal amount of time as I had fully dedicated to research. You know, I, I had that um, understanding that I was probably going to have to work a little harder. To sell myself and my experiences as something that was valuable, um, so I did. You know, look for opportunities to apply to places that had um, strong applied focuses in their business schools, or um, places that I felt would value my experience in industry and what that might bring to the table for students and for research, um, where other places might not. Um, but really, I went on the market just like anybody else, and I, I applied to dozens and dozens of universities and, uh, was, you know, sitting, waiting in my inbox, just like any other graduate student, uh, for those decisions for interviews and everything to come through.
1: Did you find in your interviews that academic employers were receptive to your experience?
0: I would say that it's a mixed bag. Um, and this was something that I was told when, you know, it was good advice that I got when I left Uh, originally to go into industry um, was that some employers, academic employers, particularly business schools, um, will think that your uh, industry experience is a real value add, um, that there's something that can really be useful about having those experiences when it comes to teaching students um, or uh, doing research or uh, developing their programs within the school or any of those things but there's going to be probably a, a much larger population that are just not as interested in that. Right. They just, they're research universities that want to um, want to see your research aptitude. Um, and I think that was the expectation that I was given originally was, you know, maybe smaller teaching sco- teaching colleges or things like that would be more interested in your um, kind of business experience for purposes of teaching, where research universities are really only going to care about your research vita. Um, And I'd say that that's probably fairly accurate in my experience. Um, I'm very fortunate in that um, I wound up at a a research university that has a focus on placing some of their business school students into an industry that I was a part of, into consulting. Um, And so the students and the faculty valued those experiences there. um, And that's why it was a great fit for me.
1: Where Where are you teaching and researching now?
0: I am at uh University at Albany, the Mastery Center for Business at SUNY, Albany.
1: You're you're there and uh you're sort of getting accustomed to this uh different lifestyle. What surprises you most?
0: The the amount of freedom that I have uh is more than I expected. Um and I mean that in the in the best possible way, in that um I have a lot of unstructured time that I'm still trying to learn how to use appropriately. Um, You know, I have a lot of freedom to kind of manage my coursework and my uh, research and those things in ways that um, are even, I think, more liberal than I expected when I was a graduate student. Um, And at first, my first couple of weeks, at the university, I felt like I was sitting in my office a lot of times, you know, twiddling my thumbs, not knowing what to do next. Um, but now I'm starting to hit my, my stride on uh, routines and kind of understanding how to use my time well to be the most productive I can. And it's been really great. I've been able to start a lot of projects and have really good conversations with students and focus a lot on um, developing my course content and getting things polished week to week. And it's been motivating. It's been really great.
1: So I know when you uh, started at PwC, you had this kind of sense of imposter syndrome. Did you have that sense at all when you started teaching?
0: 100%, particularly because I am uh, teaching almost exclusively uh, part-time MBA students right now. And the part-time MBAs are generally um, older than I am. Uh, they're, They're working professionals. Some of them are newly minted um, you know, from undergrad who were able to kind of come into an MBA program quickly, but a lot of my students are, you know, 10 or so years older than me. Um, at least I've got one student in my class who's, uh, I think 60 years old. I mean, he's got a lot of experience that I don't have. Um, and so it is moderately intimidating to stand up there and try to talk about the research and talk about, you know, um, the, the, uh, Theories and content, and teach these people who have had so much more experience than I have. Um, but if I think about it, I feel like if I had come right from undergrad, right from graduate school, I would have had maybe a worse time with that. Um, if I was put in that position, uh, I do have things I can talk about. That's one of the advantages in transitioning between industry and academia is that I have things to talk about with these students that they can um, connect with. I have experiences and stories and. Um, examples to give that they think are relevant because they're real. They came from real experiences. Um, and that helps me connect with the students. It helps me drive my points home better. Um, I find myself kind of going off on tangents and lectures that wind up being some type of story about a client interaction or a problem that I solved when I was in industry. Um, and students seem to really resonate with that and appreciate that I'm able to kind of give them that perspective.
1: So if someone were to come to you in the same position you were, you know, those years ago and trying to decide between, you know, whether to stay in academia and sort of devote themselves full time to that or spend some time in the field, what advice would you give them?
0: Well, I would give them uh, the simple advice to not do it the way that I did it Um, because I, I, Approach to this in a way that was very clunky, um, and I'm fortunate in that it worked out the way that I did. Um, the first thing I would say is is really evaluate what you're trying to get out of an industry experience. Um, I think having industry experience, having opportunities to work um, in the field, particularly for an applied discipline like I/O, is critically important. It gives a lot of context and perspective on. Um, what we really talk about in the research. And frankly, you you, you learn things, terms and techniques and um, features of business that you're just not taught in most um, I.O. masters or PhD programs because it's not specifically I.O. Um, But I would say really understand what you are trying to get out of that experience. And then if you are committed to doing it, you have to go for it full bore. Uh, It can't be something that you... Um, commit to thinking about how will this get me back to an academic position because once you step out, it's very difficult to get back. Um, and to that point, if you're trying to get some industry experience and think that's going to be something that can lead to an academic career, for, you know, down the road, or you're really interested in staying rooted in academia, you have to have a plan uh, and a pipeline of of work that's going to keep you competitive. Um, and that means network, go to SIOP, go to on LinkedIn, go to Meetup groups in your city um, and meet other people that work in your field and network with them and build collaborative relationships. Um, I have very strong relationships with some folks that are, are really good friends of mine who have stayed in academia. And I don't think that I would have been able to be even moderately competitive for any academic job had I not maintained those relationships and kind of worked on projects as a team rather than taking sole ownership of my research agenda while I wasn't fully in research. Um, so that would, be, that would be my advice is, is understand what you're trying to get out of the experience um, and plan for what that is going to mean um, and you know, develop a pipeline that might keep you competitive in the future um, and pass that off to your network.